Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. Hey there, Sarah Shaw here today with another episode of Get a Street Smart MBA. And I am looking forward to this chat today with Henry Stafford. Um, he and uh, three other former Under Armour employees used decades of sportswear expertise to create a $75 performance denim jean for men. For men. And Henry has been in the product and marketing space for over 20 years with long stints at Under Armour, American Eagle, Old Navy, and got his feet wet at the Abercrombie and Fitch uh, training program. He was Under Armour's former chief merchandising officer and helped Under Armour grow from $800 million to $5 billion over six years. One of his partners, Steve Batista, was also a former senior vice president of, cre of the creative world over there at Under Armour. His other partner, Matt Madsen, was a former head of the Under Armour's e-commerce unit, always good to have on board. And his other partner, Chris Lust, comes from the hedge fund world, totally different, and is now the CEO and is the one who keeps them all in line. The three of them set out to create quality denim, straightforward fits, and unbeatable comfort, and clearly they've achieved that with RevTown. So hey there, Henry. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, I'm, and uh, yeah. great to talk to you. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear about your line. I love your jean line. I wish you guys did girls. Um, <laughs> so how did you guys even decide to come up with RevTown? I mean, you had these awesome jobs, I assume, at Under Armour, making you know, the world happen all around you, making billions for other people. Um, what <laughs> Obviously, the idea was to make billions for yourself. How did you guys um, come up with the idea? <laughs> um, well, first of all, I have to do a shameless plug. We will have women's in 2019, so we're working on it. But uh, okay, there's more, more to talk about where that comes from. Uh, you know, I think the, the three of us who were at Under Armour, um, Under Armour is an awesome company to be a part of. Uh, Steve was there for, you know, many, many years. I think he was there for over 16 years. I was there for uh, over six, and Matt was there for a few Um it was an amazing experience. You're building an incredible product, working with amazing people. Uh, the athletic apparel industry went through this huge growth uh, period for over a decade, apparel, footwear. It was just a really, really neat place to be. And when you look at where we were, one of the things that I noticed was there were a lot of brands who were crowding into the athletic space. You know, words like athleisure were – coming to the, mm -hmm. the forefront. And I remember seeing uh, like a, an underwear brand was coming out with their yoga line and a brand that made khakis was coming out with their performance line. And anywhere you could go, the world was flocking to like athletic apparel. And so, you know, there's commoditization that happens with that. There's competition. But then when you look at just what people wear, there's a whole other 
aspect of apparel and product that, quite frankly, I think was not um, run really well over the course of the past decade. And that's where denim came into play. And I remember just walking through the market, looking at people, seeing things, and saying, man, there's a ton of innovation happening in athletic apparel, and there's very, very little happening in denim. And mm -hmm. imagine if someone created a product that performed, was incredible, stylish, looked good, and oh, by the way, did it in a way that um, there was a great value to it. Man, that would be a heck of a business to start. And it was kind of one of those moments where, you know, I've always wanted to start a business and, and have a group of folks to start something with. I think, you know, I've always kind of had that entrepreneurial uh, buzz that I loved about some of the companies that I've worked for. And I always said, like, hey, if there's a great idea, I'll start something. And it was one of those, mm -hmm. this is a really interesting idea, and, and that's what we decided to do. And, and how um, how's it going, having partners? It's awesome. I mean, for me, <laughs> uh, I love being part of a team. And I, I love working with other people, folks that are different than you, have different skill sets. I mean, if you look at our, just the founding four, uh, mm -hmm. we have, you know, Steve Batista is just a really interesting background of coming to things from a brand building perspective, literally developing a brand mindset from, from the core and doing what's right for the brand and thinking about long-term health of a brand. Uh, Chris Lust uh, comes from the world of finance and how to structure a company, how to think about it in terms of the longevity over the course of a decade, how you want to build it uh, from a really fiscal standpoint and an operational standpoint that is sustainable over time and not just, mm -hmm. you know, great starter, great one or two years. And then uh, you have Matt Mosdam, who um, has an amazing background. He was running operations for the Under Armour digital business. But prior to that, he was in the military for 20 years as a Navy SEAL. He worked in the wow. White House, uh, and he carried the nuclear football for President Obama for a number of years. And so, you know, his experience from an operational standpoint uh, meeting deadlines, how to manage, how to manage scale. And then you go on and on, people that we've brought onto the team. We have our creative and design director, Courtney Powell. Um, she runs all of our photography, does all of our digital and social marketing, uh, just comes at things from a different perspective than any of the founders. So long-winded way of saying I love working with a great team, and I love it when we all have different things that we bring to the table, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great group working together. It sounds like it. <laughs> I wish I'd had partnerships like that when I, when I had mine. Um, well, you know, it's one, of those it's one of those things that you ever go through, like, your career, and you're like, man, if I start something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, to love to work with that person. I'd love to do something with yeah. that person again. There's more to our team. You know, we have – more than 10 fewer 20 people on the team right now. But that's kind of how we've decided to build our team. Like, who are those folks that we've known, worked with, whatever, that A, they're just good people, B, they're fun to work with, C, they're smart and creative, and, yeah. you know, they're, they're just enjoyable to work with. That's what we're trying to do.
Yeah. Oh, it's, well, totally. I mean, you got to be with them every day. <laughs> so, exactly. Right. Exactly. But you, you don't want to hate them. Um, exactly. Exactly. Right. And so, I mean, clearly you guys all brought tons of experience with you to this business from all your past experiences, either at Under Armour or your, you know, the companies that they worked for possibly before that. Um, and, and what do you think was the most, like, the best thing you brought with you, um, your knowledge? I think that – Which part um, of your knowledge? <laughs> which part of it? You know, right. I, I think – Think, think, looking at it from the group's perspective, it's really hard to make a product. And when I look at, you know, any entrepreneur out there, anyone starting something, I really respect them. And, you know, Kevin and the team at Under Armour and what they did to build a product, make it, scale it, market, all, market it, all of it, you really have to respect what, what that takes and so just seeing different companies out there, I think we entered this with you've got to have a great product and you've got to build a great product. Um, and really researching that, talking to folks and meeting folks who could help you do it. Uh, so mm-hmm. we took a year just to do research. Uh, we spent months on things that kind of were a wash that didn't help us. Uh, but we wanted the first batch of what we put out there to the consumer to be really, really great. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to publish and you need to really uh, get something out there to the consumer, but at the same time, it's got to be spectacular. And so I think respecting that, that it's hard to build a product. You know, know, in in my experience, the three hardest products to build are a running shoe. Literally, running shoes are really hard to build. Um, I can imagine. (laughs) They have different symmetry, all of that. You got to work with fit so many different them. kinds of feet. Totally, it's really right. Hard. Fit, fit all these different feet. Yeah, the technical exactly. part must be a nightmare. Te- technical outerwear, like really technical mm-hmm. outerwear, is hard to build. Componentry, all of this stuff, and then jeans. And mm-hmm. you know, people can say like, "Why are jeans hard?" Different fabrics, different stitching, different fits, different bodies. Every wash that you have on a jean is at a different temperature, and different things that you put in there, and you know, they'll shrink up differently depending on how you wash, dry, all of this. So it takes just trial and right. error. So I would say hey, when, when you ask, like, what is the thing and experience that, that really benefited us in starting this, it's the respect that building a product is not easy. And so we, mm-hmm. we approached it that way. Um, and, and, and how we approached it is we actually talked to manufacturers before we talked to designers how you manufacture mm-hmm. a product, how you build it, so on and so forth. So uh, I would say respecting what it takes to build a product. <laughs> were, were any of you guys, had any of you worked in manufacturing before this? Did any of you uh, cross over into that? I would say my role and a couple other folks on the team crossed over, uh, you know, in terms of managing uh, supply and manufacturing teams and, and knowing who were really talented people to say, I've got an idea. Who would you talk to on this? And I think that was probably the biggest thing was just getting out there, talking to people, really um, not being protective of the idea that we had, but saying, we have this idea to do this. Who's the best mill to work with? Who, who mm-hmm. makes the best fabrics 
And, you know, after a number of discussions, we found what we consider to be the best mill in the world is making our fabric. Um, and, and is that made here in the U.S. or overseas? It's not. It's made in Italy um, at a mill uh -huh. called Candiani, which they make amazing stuff. And they were, they worked with us for, you know, over eight months to develop this fabric that we're working with that our customer has absolutely loved and given us great, great wow. feedback on. And you make all the jeans out of the same fabric? We do. We, that's one of the things that uh, is unique about us is if you go into, you know, any denim brand USA, they're going to say have like 10 or 12 washes and they may have mm -hmm. six, seven right. or eight fabrics and all of that adds a ton of complexity. Our goal was to have this business model where we just reduce complexity, keep focus on what we're trying to do, which is have a great fabric, have a few key fits, have a few you know, great colors and washes of jeans, and provide that to the consumer at a great price. So we really wanted to focus and have this one amazing fabric, um, which we call Decade Denim. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I, I like the simplicity of it. it and also know, knowing what goes into manufacturing and designing and making products, I think you guys, that was really wise um, to do something like that. And it also helps you brand yourself, right, as that, that's, your, that's your denim. That's what people come to you for. You know, and in, beside the fit and the look of it, but they know what they're getting each time. So I would imagine people but, probably come back and buy over and over again. We've, we're, we're pretty pleased with our, um, our success rate on two factors, repeat purchases. Um, it's been awesome. And, you know, we're getting feedback like, you know, this is the first time I've been able to wear a pair of jeans on a plane in years. You know, <laughs> you, know you see that guy who's like wearing a, a pair of sweatpants on a plane and then, and then getting off, like, actually in our research, one of the things that was overwhelming for us is four out of five guys are wearing jeans to work. So the casualization of America has happened. Like, it's truly here. Right. I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to be putting on a suit again to go to work. And whether right. you, you know. You're like you're, weddings, that's it. <laughs> yeah, weddings and unfortunately <laughs> funerals are the two yeah, guys I'm, I'm putting a suit on. Um, and yeah. I have a hard enough time with the tie to begin with. But, um, you know, <laughs> guys, were wearing, guys were wearing jeans to work all the time, whether you're a lawyer, you know, whether you're uh, mm -hmm. a maker, whether you're working in a bar, a restaurant, whatever. And in our research, every one of these guys was like, you know what, when I get home, I take them off because they're uncomfortable. And mm, performance doesn't necessarily need to be I'm going to go work out in something. Performance means, mm -hmm. like, it performs. And that was right. one of our learnings at Under Armour was create, create product that's versatile, that works for you, that works for the consumer. And, um, you know, our goal is guys want to wear our jeans to work, but when they're getting home, maybe they're taking the, the button-down shirt off, but they're throwing a T-shirt out and, or T-shirt on to go out and, and do whatever. That's what, that's what we want our product to be. Yeah. No, I, you want it to be like their second skin. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I, I live in my jeans. Can't wait till I can live in yours for girls. 
Um, so how do you guys, I mean, you said you have so many people, 20 people on your team now. So do you have a team that designs all your future stuff? How do you guys plan your future rollout? Uh, so we have a pretty good cadence, but I would say, uh, you know, we, we have a calculated method to offer newness, and it's probably driven more by what our customers are telling us versus, mm -hmm. you know what, February 1, we're going to go launch something. So right. we have overwhelming, we've had two huge requests at RevTown since we launched. The first request was, can you make a khaki? I, mm. you know, I still wear khakis to work, or I like the style, but I don't want to wear what I have in my closet. I love your jeans. Can you please make a khaki? That was point number one. So we got that. We launched essentially February 1st of this year. And a few months after launching, we're like, we keep hearing this over and over and over. <laughs> so what we did was we took our fabric and developed the khaki jean. And mm -hmm. basically it looks like a khaki, but it feels like our decade denim. And right. we, sold out. we sold out in four days after launching it. Um, <laughs> we, we reacted quickly to get back in style, but it's been, a, it's been a phenomenal launch for us. And then the second huge request is 35% uh, of our customers are women. Uh, they're you know, most frequently buying for the man in their life. And sure. um, they, the, the, the consumer basically was like, when are you making women's jeans? It is not fair that, you know, I can get premium jeans for my husband or my boyfriend or whatever at 75 bucks. Why can't I do that? And so, right, mine are 250 you know, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we'll put our jeans up against thing. any yeah. – Exactly. So that's um, – I would say when we think about newness, we want to be seen as a really great listening brand. You know, we don't mm -hmm. have all the answers. We want that dialogue with our customers. And then uh, we're going to learn. We're going to look at data. We're going to learn. We're going to talk to them. There's qualitative, quantitative things. And then that's what we're going to go develop because our consumers are asking for it, as opposed to saying, you know what, we're jamming this, this new style down your throat. Right, exactly. We're giving, and that you're, what you're doing is giving them what they're asking for. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that. Do you guys only sell online, or do you wholesale to stores? We primarily sell online. There's some things we've tried out there um, with some partners out there, uh, but it's, it's pretty darn small. What I think you will see from us, though, is in, in our thesis is, if you've looked at pure play e-commerce brands over the course of the past five years, there have been a number of very successful ones who have started. And mm -hmm. what happens is they reach this point where they're like, you know what, we need to find other ways to grow. And so we need to either go wholesale, we need to uh, open our own stores, so stores, on and so right. forth. What we're going to do, and I think you'll see in the coming year, is we want to start that portfolio sooner rather than later in a really, really focused way. So we're ideating, all right, what are, who, who would RevTown wholesale partners be? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. How can it be incredibly focused where it's great for the partner and great for RevTown, but, you know, more important, great for the customer? Uh, what mm -hmm. would a RevTown store look like? Uh, you know, we want to be the, – the, the key to our business is jeans. You know, we sell some T-shirts here and there, but it is about jeans. 
And mm -hmm. what does that store look like? What would that experience look like? So on and so forth. So those are things that we're working on and talking about now, which I think the customer will probably see some, some, uh, some things from us in the coming year. That's great. That's exciting. Um, so how do you guys get customers then? So if you're, you know, what's your, what's your marketing plan? How do you guys, you know, because you are selling online and obviously you're doing well and, you know, you sold out of the khaki, the khaki denims, right, the minute you, in four days, right? And so how are you finding customers? Do you guys do social media ads? Um, you know, do you just know a lot of people? <laughs> Story. Yeah. It's, um, you know what, I think they're all my friends. Yeah. Yes, we, we've got that many friends. Uh, not really. Uh, not really at all. If you, um, if you look at it, basically there's kind of two big marketing strategies. One is to drive awareness, and the other is to drive traffic. And they're actually kind of different. Um, mm -hmm. So awareness is just, what is this brand? Who are they? Like, I keep seeing about them or hearing about them. And then traffic is, we've got to, get, we've got to make money. We've got to pay the bills. Right. We've got to drive positive cash flow. And so we have different buckets. And I would say this is probably the area that, you know, we were smart enough to know it was going to take us time to learn what works, what didn't, and so forth. So the first area is what we call kind of the new traditional media. Uh, I don't think you're going to go out and see television advertisements for RevTown anytime soon, but we've been on the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, we've been on fantasy football podcasts. We've looked at that form of kind of what we call new traditional and, mm -hmm. you know, really gotten to the point where that's just planting the seed with who we are. There's not a lot of, um, you know, people right away who might be listening to a podcast on their way home that are pulling over to stop, look at their phone, and go pull something out. But then when you couple that with our approach on social media, Facebook, Instagram, so on and so forth, that really builds the conversation there. And then when you look at some other avenues for us, it's been looking at what we call affiliates and even some influencers. So, mm -hmm. you know, from an influencer standpoint, it could be uh, Instagram influencers who have been, you know, just really influential on denim or product or whatever the case may be to uh, Todd Frazier who plays for the New York Mets. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we, we met him in Philadelphia and, and uh, Courtney had a photo shoot with him and he was just awesome. Great guy and he posted on our behalf and those things help, you know, and he's a fantastic athlete and a fantastic guy. And just having great people on your side to do that, that's, that's been fantastic. And then some other areas where we're reaching people uh, could be things like Gear Patrol, um, which is, you know, in our affiliate program, uh, just people wanting, like, the coolest, newest gear, uh, mm -hmm. an email, uh, an email um, portfolio of something called The Hustle, which people just find out interesting information. So we look at all of those things to work with partners out there just to try and get in the headset of a guy between the age of 20 and 40. And, hey, there mm -hmm. might be a halo there of guys older, guys younger, whatever the case may be, but how are guys consuming media? Uh, where, what are they interested in? And, and then just, you know, one of our learnings has been smart on how and when we spend. You know, the return on 
our marketing spend in a month like September or where weather's breaking, people are getting into that gene buying time set is obviously better than in July when folks are thinking right. about beach weather and all of that stuff. Right, and short. And, yeah. you know, I think that's been, we've had a lot of great wins, and then we've had some like, oh, man, that was great, but I wish we did that like two months later. You know, so, mm -hmm. but you live, you learn, you move on, and you adapt. That's, that's what we see as right. the key to a startup. Do you, have you guys, I know you were saying the, was that a football player that you did the photo uh, shoot with? Todd Frazier, he's a baseball player for the Mets. Yeah. Baseball <laughs> sorry. Uh, no worries. It's 50-50, baseball, football. So have you, you got done it. any other celebrity, <laughs> um, have you done any other celebrity gifting? Like have you guys found, because obviously I'm assuming that, you know, you guys gave him jeans and he fabulously did a photo shoot with you and you got to use those photos. Um, but have you done any other celebrity gifting at all? Here and there, sure. You know, and it's, um, it's the, we have kind of a role at RevTown. So we don't discount and we don't plan on discounting. Um, mm -hmm. And it's interesting, like we don't give, uh, product to our founders, our employees. It's like, you know what, this stuff, this stuff costs us money. Like I've got to go buy a pair of jeans if I want it. Uh, the only people we'll give some product to are those who like can actually represent us out there with some street credibility. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. so, you know, whether it's, uh, we got some cool posts from some Philadelphia Eagles right after they won the Super Bowl. We sent them some jeans. They sent it out. It was awesome. Like it really, clicked in the Philly market right away. And some just really cool people out there on our behalf that heard our story, uh, liked what we were trying to do, and loved the product, most importantly. And they were mm -hmm. like, these, these jeans fit my thighs, finally, like something that <laughs> is comfortable. Um, and I think that's, at the end of the day, like, people love feeling great in product. And I think that's been very helpful when we've approached people with like, hey, man, here's a pair of jeans. And the response has been great. Yeah, I know. Who doesn't love a great pair of jeans? My That's children. Right. Uh, <laughs> I was like, how do you guys not wear jeans? Mama wears jeans every day of her life. She's got like 30 pairs. Um, so what do you think your biggest mistake has been, and what did you learn from it? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, biggest mistake. That's always the tough, mm -hmm. toughest question to ask because there's like, <laughs> You're like so many. For me, I'd be like, oh, there's been so many. <laughs> it's like being on an interview. Like, you know, what is the weakest part of your, you know, when, when, when you think about it, you're like, I work too hard. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the biggest mistake I would say is, um, I would say it's, this is probably it, and it didn't kill us. We, uh, it was hard to figure out. We launched on February 1st. So you have like month-on-month -month build, and you've got to keep progressing, keep progressing. And I think we tr really tried to force a denim conversation in some months mm -hmm. where the customer wasn't ready for that denim conversation. And it was like the difference between – man, why is June or July not panning out the way we want it versus I don't even want to wear jeans right now. Uh, and the consumer doesn't buy, want to buy right now when it's 92 degrees. So really thinking logically about the market, it goes back to, I remember, you know, this is years and years ago. 
I used to be able to sell wool sweaters in the month of July for people going back to school because they were thinking about mm-hmm. like what they were going to shop. And now it's a very sure. different wear now mentality. So probably thinking about that very patiently is something we could have done a better job of and thinking about mm-hmm. the cadence of the year. And it's like, it's just common sense. But sometimes when you're in the heat of it, you're like, we yes. want to see how this does now. So it's taking emotion out of it and thinking about it from the consumer and a common sense standpoint is something that I think was a learning for us. And I think it was a big one for yeah. me because I, yeah. I wanted to drive it right away. And, um, you know, it's something we'll, we'll adapt going forward. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, I would imagine is coming from, right, because Under Armour is sold all over the world, right, with, in stores, too. Right? Definitely. It is, yeah. Yeah. So so coming from that background, I mean, you guys are geared towards selling way before the actual sales cycle, right? Because, you know, if you're selling to Macy's, they're, they're buying um, whatever they're selling in January, you know, in sometimes in May through August, right? And so you have to be six or eight months ahead of the delivery, in of sales and design and all that. But then you guys now, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I'm hearing, is that, you know, nor- normal wholesale, right, is six to eight months ahead of time, right? You make your, you, you decide what's going to be hot and hip and hot, right? You manufacture it, you get your line sheets done, your lookbooks, your photographs, and then you're pitching it to stores six or eight months ahead of when they're going to be selling it because they need to know what they're buying, right? But you guys are now selling online, so it's, you know, if, it's, if you're making, if you guys decided to do corduroys or something, you're not going to sell it online in July. You're going to sell it online starting in October because it's, you know, you're selling in the moment online. So when you're rolling out, you know, like maybe summer isn't going to be your biggest sales period, you know, because you're selling what people are going to put on tomorrow. Um, but but as, you, as you guys develop new lines and all your future rollouts and all that, you know, whatever else you're doing, what it's kind of, you kind of have to switch from what you've learned over the last many years working in, in all these big corporations to what you're doing now, which is buy it, wear it tomorrow. That's right. And I, is, I that think what, that is that what you're saying? It, it is. And I think that that's where being, you know, kind of starting this business, the, the ability for us to be focused, you know, we talked about that one fabric or our, truly our focus is denim. We just want to mm-hmm. be, we just want to make the greatest jeans. And we want them at such a value that, you know, there's no other place you should go to buy your jeans. This is the place. And, we want to make them for different heights, weights, sizes, and cover like scale of, of folks in this country. And, and that's our goal. So that focus enables us to keep our lead times really, really fast. So mm-hmm. where, you know, you're talking about some companies who are working uh, with having to project out revenues and, and sales seven, eight months in advance, our lead times are essentially 30 days. And right. oh, what, that awesome. enables, what that enables us to do and kind of a big difference in RevTown from some other brands is, you know, old school retail is design something, 
and basically predict how much the consumer is going to buy and dictate right. to that consumer that this is the trend. Our yeah. belief is to be the best listening and adaptive brand out there that we need to show the consumer something, but if they vote differently, we're going to be so nimble and adaptive that we can react to that, uh, to that consumer demand. And I think the best companies are doing that. I think that's so great. <laughs> I mean, because I'm just thinking now, like my brain is going, yeah, when I had my handbag line, I was like, you know, whatever I was selling in January, right, I was showing at the show in January in New York and then having to ship it that month. So it all had to be manufactured before Christmas. So I was doing exactly what you were saying. In June, I was like, oh, this is going to be hip in January. <laughs> and I had to order, you know, my leather from Italy and get it all here before they closed in August and then have everything manufactured and sitting on the shelves. And you have so much money tied up in inventory, right, at, when you're doing those long projection sales that you guys, it sounds to me that you guys can just, you know, decide what you're going to do, you know, do it, sell it, move on, you know, reinvest the cash in the next production line or however you do it and that you don't have a ton of merchandise or money, I should say, <laughs> sitting on the shelves waiting to ship. And that's the key. So, you know, and if anyone wants to try it, it it's not easy. But we pay a lot for our fabric. Our fabric is mm -hmm. incredibly premium and it is, you know, I'll, put, I'll stand it up to any $250 jean out there, um, and our durability will be greater. The, uh, the key is our inventories are very, very low, and that's how we're able to offer such a really compelling price for a pair right. of jeans. Yeah. And so you mentioned you get your, your fabric made in Italy, but do you manufacture there, or do you manufacture in the States? No, our manufacturing is in Guatemala. Uh, oh, okay. which the big part of that strategy is what we call local for local manufacturing. And our shipping times are less than seven days to get it to our distribution mm -hmm. center. And yeah. it's, 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 that is, to me, that's where, all, where this kind of product world eventually will go, is instead of having products sitting on a vessel for 45 days, uh, we're able to have that product in our consumers' hands. And it just takes the cost of capital out there and eliminates a giant chunk of it. Yeah. And so clearly you can do smaller quantities there, it sounds like, too, as you, you, than you would maybe in Asia. Well, it, it, we're, we're doing some pretty hefty quantities. It's more... Um, you know, one of the things that we did, whether it's our manufacturing partner, whether it's our, the mill and fabric partners, whether it's others that we have from, you know, managing our distribution center and supply chain, we spent a lot of time talking to folks about our business model. And mm -hmm. some folks gave us feedback like, hey, you may want to think about this or that. And that, that, that feedback's been incredible. But we've had a lot of believers to say, like, this makes sense. You know, in, in year one of any startup, no one's making any money on you. They're not, and mm -hmm. so they have to believe in you or the model and both. Sure. And I think that's also been a learning for our team. Like, we've got to not just sell product to a consumer and market it to a consumer. We've got to sell partners that this is something that we're building for the future, and it's something you're going to make money with us eventually. Right. And I think that's been uh, not necessarily a learning, but 
we, we kind of knew it, and then and we've we've gotten great feedback on on how we've been able to build strategy with our partners. That's really lucky. I mean, I can see why that's so important. Um, I mean, I just know from my own my own manufacturing over so many years. Well, before I let you go, will you just share what your biggest success has been so far? Let's end on a high note. <laughs> end on a high note. Um, yeah. You know what? I would say there's probably two things to that. One, it's it's working with a great group of people. Uh, we we really enjoy it, and. Um, you know, we have one meeting a day from 1030 to 11. It's all hands on deck. We talk, and then everyone goes and does their jobs. And, you know, it's not that perfect, but it's, it's pretty darn close. So we've eliminated, like, massive meeting structures and bureaucracy that just a lot of, of brands and companies face, and we're going to try and keep pure to that. So I would say, like, working with a great group of people, I'll tell you the People ask where RevTown, the brand, comes from. And when we were ideating what we wanted to do, uh, we wanted to uh, revitalize a category in denim. We wanted to revolutionize the way someone bought it. Uh, and so we developed this digital tailor where someone puts their height and weight into our website and it tells them exactly what size to buy. And we wanted to revel in the fact that we're getting to build and market something. It's really fun. And those three you know, those words start with rev. And then town, we love the town we're from. We love Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's, that's where the brand rev town comes from. So I think the team that we are building and have built has, has been a huge level of success. But the biggest thing that we see is not the numbers. It's not how our return rates are great. It's the customer feedback we've gotten and the, the you know, just the anecdotal feedback of, all shapes and sizes of men out there. The feedback mm -hmm. from women, like, this isn't fair. You need to do this for us. <laughs> this, this has been awesome. It's, it's really reassuring when you're starting something. You've got to, like, fight through doubt as an entrepreneur yeah. in a startup. Like, anyone has doubt, but you've got to fight through it. Like, is this the right strategy or is that? And hearing consumers say, like, this is awesome, and then seeing that same individual go buy three more pairs the next day, it's really, it's really cool. And I think that's been um, something that we're really proud of. You should be proud of that. <laughs> that's so great. Um, I mean, there's nothing, nothing better than social proof and people, you know, real people who are buying your product, who are giving you the kudos and the reviews and saying awesome things about you and asking for more. Um, to me, that was, that was always I, you know, that's always the greatest thing is to hear it from your peers. No, um, no. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, it just is, it's like, uh, you know, you can look at numbers and revenue and profit and margin and all of this, but, um, you know, when you have folks saying, like, great job, <laughs> it feels really good. Yeah. And it's reassuring. Yeah. So we're human, you know. We, wanna, we, want, we want people to like what we're doing and what we're providing and, and the brand that we're building. Well, it sounds like you guys are doing that, and you have a lot of fans, and that's really awesome. Henry, thank you so much. Um, I really loved talking to you and hearing about RevTown and all the great things you guys are doing. And I can't wait to try your girls' it. teams next year. <laughs> all right. We thank will, you so we'll much. Get you. Thank you very much. Take yeah. care. Yeah, you too. 
Thanks for tuning in to A Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.